we could produce a comedy show from New York City because it's open down there. So why don't we get Mark Norman and Ryan Long and Rob Mayhew was it down at the time? I think Dave Temple and Katie Boyle were also on the show. We had this a pretty stacked lineup, and we had them all at Brooklyn Comedy Club, and we live streamed it. Uh, we had Paco from Gas Digital come in and live stream it for us, and we streamed it into Decentraland, and we had 300 people come to the show in Decentraland. Welcome back to another episode of Lights, Camera, Crypto, a podcast exploring all things entertainment and Web3. I'm your host, Stephen Ladden, and this week our guest is Tyler Morrison. Tyler is a comedian and co-founder of Decentral Comedy. And in the episode, he, he takes us through his journey, his comedic journey of becoming a comic, finding his voice, putting in that time, sweat, blood, tears into stand-up comedy, and having that trajectory ultimately lead him to his current position as both a stand-up comic performer and co-founder of Decentral Comedy, which is a company that put on one of the first comedy shows in the metaverse. So throughout the episode, we again talk more about Tyler's trajectory, but also the future of comedy, what it means to put on a show in a comedy show in the metaverse, and what that means for the future of comedy as we know it. Tyler, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Uh, really excited to to kind of dive into uh, sort of comedy and and Web3 and crypto and and how those three things, how the, all of those things uh, kind of come together in a really interesting way. Your, so your background is as a comedian, uh, how, how did you get involved in comedy? Was that something you always wanted to pursue? What was sort of the uh, jump off for you? Yeah, yeah. So I've been doing stand-up comedy for 20 years. Uh, I started out when I was 18. I went to college in Toronto. They have this comedy program there called the Humber College comedy writing performance program so I, I went there when i was 18 and it kind of put me in this um this vacuum of creative people who are my age and and we were all starting out and stand up a lot of us came from small towns it was a good excuse to move to the city because like your parents are like oh at least they're getting like some sort of like college education sure. really it's like you're you know learning from professionals but it's a lot of uh, trial and error and just meeting other like-minded funny people and within like a week of going to that program, I was doing stand-up at the Yuck Yucks Comedy Club in Toronto in front of 300 people for my first time ever performing. And it was just like the wildest experience. <laughs> it went pretty good, actually. So after that, um, you know, I was hooked. And then you go and you just bomb at all the open <laughs> Wait, <laughs> your first time, Your first time was in front of 300 people? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was wow. a packed comedy club, like the biggest comedy club in Toronto, the biggest comedy chain in Canada at, at Yuck Yucks. And um, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. <laughs> it went well. But then, yeah, then the next time I went up, it was like in like a dive bar and uh, the crowd was not as excited. <laughs> <laughs> sure, Chase well, the to, dragon. Yeah, Chase right. Well, to go from to go from uh, three hundred to you know a a uh, less enthused crowd must have been an early experience that you're like, hey, so not every show is like that. Exactly, exactly. You kind of learn how to um, play to different size crowds and the different timing that you need, uh, especially back then. A lot of my, I mean, I, I do a lot of 
we kind of set up punchline stuff so there is that um expectation that you you need to get a laugh in this in the laugh like there's a pause for it and uh in the smaller rooms you don't necessarily get that that hang time that you would get in a big room so it's you have to learn to adjust your timing and uh and and react accordingly to what the crowd's doing sure it takes a little bit of time to build that up well and 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 how different a trajectory because a lot of times you hear about comics working their way up to a 300 person room Mm -hmm. and and that's sort of a milestone did it change your perspective or or your approach early on starting in a a 300 person room and then having that perspective and then moving forward from there or was it just a an experience and then from that you know i think it was just like i understood right away that there's two different you know to get to the 300 seats you have to do these other rooms to become bulletproof and you can do well in a room full of 300 people and you can kill but it doesn't mean that you're good yet and it's just there's an energy and people feed off of it. You can have good jokes, but you might not necessarily be a good performer yet. So that's what took a long time, I think, to uh, to iron out. And it's, it does it takes comedians, a lot of them, you know, about 10 years to really start becoming comfortable in who they are on stage and and finding I hate the term finding your voice. But it is kind of that. That the first 10 years, you're just trying to become comfortable up there and comfortable in the silence and if you're comfortable in the silence then you can kind of control the um i guess the tension in the room and tension if you use it as your friend becomes a beautiful thing for big payoffs for for jokes so you can build that and control it control it well and and right and it becomes uh just another tool in your toolbox rather than something that you're fighting against or you know using something that taking that tension energy and and having it impact your set negatively. Exactly. Exactly. And if you're doing kind of darker, edgier material too, you cannot show one ounce of hesitation or the crowd will not respect you. They won't follow you into those darker territories. And that's, they, they go there. They want to have a, they're looking for a leader. And if you're a leader and you show weakness, they won't follow you. So there's, there's that part of it too. And and so getting comfortable in the silence, that's a very important thing for any comedian that's, you know, kind of wanting to play in that terrain. If they hear your voice crack and you're not confident <laughs> in like an edgy joke, then you're in trouble. <laughs> They're going to back up. For sure. And and you talk about finding your voice. Uh, as, and I know you're like, eh, it sounds a little cliche or cringy, but it's I true, think it's though. true. You're true. And, 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 how much of that though comes from as a person, as an individual identifying what's important to you and what your point of view is as a person first, and then translating that to the stage. See, I think that's like really important. I think that's where I started hitting even harder with my comedy is when I started taking topics that I was talking about and then relating them back to me. So if you're just taking, for example, I had a, a bit like long time ago about Angelina Jolie adopting all these kids from different countries. And I was basically just roasting Angelina Jolie, which was the jokes in and of themselves were funny, but there was no reason for me to really talk about that. Like I wasn't there. I was just making fun of her, but if I, I could apply that somehow to my life and my relationships and talk about it so that it's relatable to me, then it's going to be relatable more to the audience. 
And so I was able to do that and it turned into a really strong bit for me that, that did really well. I think it went fairly viral at one point. Um, but it's just, it's taking those, if you can take any topic and look at it from within and then talk about it from your perspective, it, it really does um, connect with audiences more. Hmm. So, so essentially the more personal, the material, obviously the, the more it relates. Definitely. Uh, and, and with that though, too, I think the more personal it can be, it sounds like uh, with, with time and, and certainly, you know, you mentioned the 10 year mark of, of quote unquote, finding the voice, finding your voice. It's like, it also gives you time to, I think, lean into the topics that you want to lean into and feel confident in that. Whereas perhaps starting out, you're just trying to get a laugh. And so is it, yes. you know, the evolution then becomes, all right, Hey, I know I can make people laugh, but how do I merge that with what do I want to say as a person? Exactly. The, the first, the first stages in the com for a comic is really just being able to prove to yourself that you can get a laugh. You can survive for, however long on stage and then you start building it out to, okay, I can, I can do well for 20 minutes now. Now let's try and do 30. And you really find out how much of your material is actually good when you're in the deep waters doing 30, 40 minutes and then to an hour. And, uh, and, and if you're a good comedian or you're paying attention and, and trying to really, you know, put this puzzle, these puzzle pieces together, you're going to work backwards and figure out where there's gaps in your act and, and you'll, and you'll get stronger and you'll, you'll, you'll build upon your weaknesses. It's the people that are a little bit delusional and don't want to admit that they're not there yet, that, uh, you know, they stay, they stay shitty forever. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on the show, but. Totally. Hey, there, there's, there's no, uh, parental rating, but there's also uh, freedom of speech. So yeah. <laughs> no censors, uh, to that end, then was there a moment or an experience along your, your path where, you felt okay. Hey, I've I've started to come into my own. I'm I'm getting la not just laughs for the sake of you know. All right, hey, I can get a laugh, but but now I'm merging what we were just talking about. I'm merging mm -hmm. uh, the the internal voice what I'm trying to say with getting laughs, and now I'm kind of yeah, you know, all, all cylinders. I think I always kind of did that, and I, I had that out of the gate. That wasn't even the problem for me. The problem for me was just being comfortable on stage and i didn't realize maybe i'm nervous but i'm doing things that are like you know i'm not comfortable up there yet and that took a while to understand and then uh the delivery if it was too mechanical i'm more like my x factor would be kind of like my writing some people their x factors you know they're a great performer but they can't write a joke to save their life and then the the opposite for me was that i'm just like a really good writer but I wasn't a great performer yet. So once I got comfortable with, you know, more, more stage time really is what all it took. But once I got more comfortable with that, then my persona just kind of built into what it is now. If, if you look at clips from my first, I, vid, I did, I had video of, of my first album, but I put it out as an audio album, but the video is there too. And if you watch that, I'm doing like all the jokes and material are pretty strong and structured and they're hitting hard in front of like a, you know, a good crowd. And uh, it's just that I don't have my persona there. It's almost like when Chris Rock runs his material, he does the material without the kind of the preacher delivery when he's working on it in the rooms, in the, in the mics. 
because if it's uh, killing without that extra style to it, then he knows it's going to really kill when he puts his performance to it. And so I was just kind of missing the performance. And once I was able to merge both those things, I started noticing a big increase in, in what I was able to do on stage and, and just seeing more momentum come towards me in the business. Hmm. So in some ways, it's like you became more aligned with yourself. And then from that alignment, mm -hmm. the other things that were meant to come started to come. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I learned it from from roasting. Because I do lots of roasts and uh, I've been on a bunch of like celebrity roasts and roast battles and stuff. But when I was doing these roasts, I would go in with a different type of confidence than what I would have in standup. Even just a, like another level of I don't give a fuck. And that's the most important thing for a comic to have that swagger if that's the type of material that you're doing. If you can have that, you know, kind of coincide with with the material and so when i go on these roasts i'd be like the most unknown guy on the roast but the producers knew that i could do this and so they put me in these positions where you know i'm on a roast with gilbert gottfried i'm like you know all these guys uh uh tony hinchcliffe and, and those dudes are all on the roast and i'm this unknown guy but i go in and i'd act like i'm the biggest bully on the block and i just bitch slap everyone <laughs> just, but i wasn't doing that and stand up the same with the same confidence but like i'm like if i could do if i could be as kind of like cold-blooded as i am on these roasts into the stand-up and and just take kind of that attitude and persona and project it more onto what i'm doing the material has the attitude but if i can perform it that the way that i'm performing it on the roast it's going to have an effect on the crowd and it, it really uh, once I was able to merge what I was doing with the roast with the standup, it it started uh, kicking things up a notch. Awesome. So I, I guess it sounds like your your roast confidence started to be at the same level of your uh, as your standup confidence, and that was sort yeah. of the, the tipping point for you. Yeah, exactly. And the, and the roast was the roast confidence was there first, and then the standup caught up, and it's and now it's everything's kind of running nicely together. Right on. And, and, and was there a, a, a moment or experience along this path that we're talking about where suddenly stand up became started to become your your vocation? Like it started to become not only just an outlet, not only just an art, but it started to provide for you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I've kind of been able to have success on the producing side of stand up as well even before I was having a lot of success as a, as a performer, um, I create a comedy festival where I live, which is like two hours North of Toronto. And so we've had this big comedy festival up here where all the, these comics would bring them in from all over. And uh, we've had some, some great comics come through over the years, but through the business side of it, I was able to have some uh, like comedy success uh, in terms of, I guess it would be, um, like financially, I, I was able to to do well. Like I could live off of comedy, and then um, once my stand up started kicking in, now it's like I'm. That's more my uh, my main focus. Right on, right on. Mm -hmm. uh, and 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 did you have aspirations to? You mentioned the show in Toronto to to create your own shows in addition to getting up and and doing spots, or were was that sort of a mutual, were those mutually exclusive goals or was it all sort of feeding the beast? Early on, I think I, 
I came out of an environment that in Toronto at the time, and it, it might have just been like comedy at the time. There wasn't a lot of like older comics that wanted to help you out. It wasn't as big of a pat on the back festival as it is now. There's a lot of guys and girls that bring up the people under them and, and help, you know, help people on the way up. That wasn't really happening when I was starting. So I just was like, I just going to do this myself. And I know how to, you know, I have the drive, the business side of it. So I can produce my own shows. I can produce you know, my own festival. I can do everything and I don't have to really rely on anybody. And so that was kind of like a good thing for me, I think, because I learned how to do all these skills that uh, now are even more applicable I mean, just being able to edit video and content and stuff like that. Like I learned that for the festival, but now everyone has to do that. And I, that just kind of gives you a leg up knowing how to do all these things. I can design my own posters and don't have to, you know, call in people to do them or pay people to do them. For sure. Having an industrial spirit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In well, the um, long run, yeah. Multi, multi hyphenate uh, on, on on the business side of things. Okay, and so then you've you've produced shows, you've had success there. You've obviously had a, a tremendous success uh, as a, as a comic as well. Uh, you know, purely for your own stage time. How then does the idea or the foray into uh, decentral comedy come about okay so this is uh decentral comedy is is one of the most interesting things i've ever been involved in and it's something i never thought i'd be involved in this type of thing i don't consider myself uh super tech savvy i'm not a gamer i you know i don't get it i didn't really get into any of that stuff before um but i live where i live is is i was saying it's like two hours north of toronto and when i moved up here i moved up here fairly early in my career so i wasn't you know doing open mics all the time i kind of had to to really bridge the gap between my distance in major cities by using the internet and understanding like okay i'm not in a major city right now but i can get a bunch of jokes off and people will see how funny i am on twitter facebook using all that and so this is kind of an extension of that where when the pandemic happened, there's not much you can do. There's all these Zoom shows happening. And I mean, for to you know, podcasts, I think Zoom is great for. I, I didn't find the stand-up Zoom shows were really my thing. I didn't enjoy that. Some comedians, really, they didn't mind it at all, but it just wasn't my style, especially with the setup punch stuff. It's it's much better for storytelling, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the... but in the kind of the tail end of the pandemic, Canada and Ontario, we we're locked down longer than in, in the U S and th- these things, it just, it felt like it was going on forever. And we're, I'm like, we got to figure out a different way that we can do something cool. Um, that isn't the same as these zoom shows. I know like I did the one, they did a coast to coast roast. It was the guys from uh, helium comedy club, super cool guys, Mark Grossman and those guys put it together. Yeah. And they yeah. Had, like Joe, Nor- Joe list and Mark Norman hosted it. And so my friend Rob Mayhew and I were repping Toronto and we we're going against all these comedians and it was, that was fun. And I, and I, that was like probably the one good zoom experience that I had. And then <laughs> but I'm like, okay, we can do something more. And a friend of mine, she, uh, her name is Jade Seabeck. She found out about Decentraland. And she's like, my one of her friends told her about it. And so she starts explaining what it is. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of kind of interesting. We should check this out. So we start looking into it. And I'm like, well, we could do a comedy show 
we could produce a comedy show from New York City because it's open down there. So why don't we get Mark Norman and Ryan Long and Rob Mayhew was it down at the time? I think Dave Temple and Katie Boyle were also on the show. We had this a pretty stacked lineup. Yeah, and we had them all at Brooklyn Comedy Club, and we live streamed it. Uh, we had Paco from Gas Digital come in and live stream it for us, and we streamed it into Decentraland, and we had three hundred people come to the show in Decentraland. We did is a free show, and just some, we're just testing it out, right? This is like a yeah a, a first run of how do we you know how do we do this? this? Is a new thing, and people seem to really like it. And I mean, the comics were great. I mean, it's pretty awesome when you can get that caliber of comedian all together in one show. And totally. in New York, you, you get that all the time because it is like the Mecca. Um, but so we were able to put this on and it worked. And so we're like, okay, well, what else can we do? And then it just became this kind of trial and error thing. We're, we're developing this new brand of comedy, but, but what I realized is as a, a comedy fan also, I went to the show as my avatar to watch it. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like the, the people from our team who are helping out there at the show too. And you see them I'm like, this is kind of neat, right? Like if you're in different cities, you can kind of get together with your friends and watch this event. And it's just different. And how many people get a chance to see a New York comedy show live? Um, you know, there's so many people from different parts of the world. They may never get to New York City, but they could come into Decentraland for free and watch this show. And so I thought there was something something awesome about that. And so we just, we kept testing it out. And we have a friend of ours, uh, his name's Patrick. He came to us with, the, he has a comedy club that he created and we, we teamed up um, and we had formed the first comedy club in Decentraland called Decentral Comedy Club. And, uh, and so we have this comedy club. We started putting some shows on in there and we decided the best move for us would be to do a comedy festival. And we did the first ever comedy festival in the metaverse, which is called Mic Drop. Now, Mic Drop, we had uh, a variety of different shows. So we had some podcasts. We had uh, some stand-up specials that we screened. Most of it was was streaming. And uh, because Decentraland, it's the, uh, the sound isn't spatial yet. So like when you have spatial sound, it'll be a lot better for the avatars to be able to perform as an avatar. But sure. For for now, is the streaming was the way to do it. So we did the we did a live stream from uh, uh, where is it uh, St. Mark's Comedy Club in New York City. So we had a bunch of bunch of great comics doing that, and then we had uh, Gilbert Gottfried came in and did a set list. So we he so he was on he was on a Zoom. And they're feeding him the topics, and Gilbert Godfrey was just free flowing, unbelievably funny. It was his second last show that he did before he passed away, which is like oh wow, wild. Yeah, like he might still be stuck in the metaverse. <laughs> Gilbert never escaped. Right, that's and where. Then, that's actually he. Didn't, he never. He never passed. He just uh, yeah, tra- yeah transitioned yeah. onto a different environment. Yeah, exactly. So it was, I mean, what a great comic and, and just is a nice guy. I got to work with him in re, in the real world too, which was, which is cool. I got to do th- that roast with him and, and got to take him to a couple, couple shows where I was opening, but yeah, for, for a guy like that to, to come in, this is the, an interesting thing for, I think for me to be able to bring these other comics in to try this new, 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 uh, I guess, medium of tech. 
And uh, so Gilbert came in, and then we had um, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, Paul Provenza came and did a screening of The Aristocrats, which was cool. And like we did like a Neat. whole thing about yeah. like talking about the behind the scenes of the making of the movie. Yeah, Paul Provenza is the man. And so it was, it was just a, an interesting festival. We want to put a, a variety of different comedy together, and and we got a lot of people. There's ten thousand, fifteen thousand people maybe attended it. And so wow. that was that was exciting to get that many people out. So then we then we we decided we're going to do another festival, and we did a podcast festival, and we did uh, ninety six hours of podcast streaming twenty four seven, and we had a lot of different uh, podcasts joined up for it. Uh, we had you know, Ryan Long's Boys Cast, and Ryan's a, g- a good friend of mine from from Toronto, and uh, now he's in New York. So we had him in there, and then we had uh, Andrew Schultz's Flagrant. They came and did, they we, we put one of their episodes on in there, and uh, just a whole, a whole ton of podcasts and the same type of turnout. Lots of people coming to check it out. And it was ex- it's a very exciting thing to be able to, you know, integrate this, and uh, and try and bring. For for me, I think it's cool too to to bring in these comedians that have a dedicated fan base. Their fans are going to come and check this tech out now. It's a new thing. Like if they're if a comic is doing something new, their fan base is probably going to follow them, or at least try it out to see if if they like it. And the ones that right. do will will stick. Um, it's certainly a. It's all very new. We're all in like this. It's it's the new frontier of all this right. tech that's happening. There's yeah. no, nothing's perfect yet. There's still going to be glitches. We're still working out bugs and trying to figure out the best user case. Um, or the, the best, yeah, I guess just the best experience. And there's different ways that you can, certain people are going to like to experience it. I mean, we also stream on our Discord so they can watch what's happening in Decentraland through our Discord or they can jump right in. So there's there's other ways to, that people are going to, people love Discord. They love, you know, consuming stuff on there too. So it's just a, and it's just a new, we're just figuring out all the new ways that people can enjoy it and trying to offer multiple avenues for that, I think. Sure. And just to, just to, to clarify the the understanding here. So you're saying the, the, the way in which currently the sound works in Decentraland, it, 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 you guys aren't performing say as avatars of yourselves, you're streaming the, yeah. live performance and then people in their avatars are showing up or how, how, how does that? That's correct. Happen? Got it. Yeah. So, so there's a bunch of people show up as their avatars and so they got all the craziest, like all the craziest gear. Some people are look like dragons and <laughs> it's always funny seeing, you know, everyone's different uh, avatars and wearables. Um, but yeah, we, we stream it on, on the screen in Decentraland. I have gone in as my avatar and we screened one of my stand-up specials, and I went in and did a Q and A with like the comedy fans. So like I would, you know, talk on the mic and stuff. Um, as it gets, I think as that gets better, we're going to be able to do even more cool experiences like that. And I'm hoping um, that the sound even if, once the sound evolves, it's going to be be really cool too for for those type of experiences. Sure, and and just to understand it even more is the. When you with your partners and stuff, do you guys own a comedy club in Decentraland? Yeah, we have a comedy club in in Decentraland, so it's we're able to do shows there whenever we we want to, which is 
which is awesome. Amazing. Yeah. 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 So if, if someone has a podcast that they are running weekly, they can send me the podcast and I can schedule a time and, and we can play it. Um, and they can advertise to their fans when it's going to be. We also have the ability to do ticketed events for certain artists that are going to want to have a ticketed thing. Usually, like we've mostly done free events, um, just because again, we're just building the community, and 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 we, fortunately, with my other company, uh, which is called Cottage Comedy Digital, we have a lot of content that we've produced over the years with different comedians and with our record label. So we're able to work with those comics to, we're just trying to promote what they you know, their, their products and, and get their name out there too. So we've had, we have like a good library of our own content, but we're able to also bring in new comics and create new experiences. And it just depends kind of on what that comic is looking for out of their metaverse experience. What do they want to provide to the com their comedy fans? And we're happy to, you know, work with them to kind of create that, you know, unique experience for them. Awesome. So in many ways, you, you're you're becoming more tailored to comics who are also trying to pursue Decentraland, pursue the metaverse as an avenue for their material. Yeah, yeah. Like I, the way I see it is, I mean, if you're putting your podcast out on YouTube or any of those free platforms, I don't see why you wouldn't simulcast it into the metaverse too and, and capture another market that's, you know, going to be able to experience it in a different way. And I also think this is where the tech is going. If you're a comic and you start learning about it now, it's going to be a lot easier for you, for you when this becomes adopted in a much more, you know, mainstream sense to be able to understand how blockchain works and how, all this is, you know, where it's going and, and be ahead of the curve. That's way better. You always want to be the first comic on a new platform when it blows up as opposed to being the last guy. And then it falls, you know, you just never get your traction there. So, I mean, well, I think you, there are comedians that, you know, they regret not, uh, not getting in early to certain things or they, you know, they just weren't open to it. I think, I think people are learning now to uh, maybe not reject these new ideas be be open to them especially if it's someone that they know who has i don't know experience in in their industry and can be um that bring that brings value to it you know? sure well i think i think in any industry we're using comedy here as as the uh certain you know industry of choice but really change in any lane you could say is difficult for for some people to to accept or, or wrap mm -hmm. your head around so i think from what you're proposing to them with what you're able to offer is a really great opportunity to get immersed in in a new sort of lane to to put forth the art and mm -hmm. it's like you know it just takes a perhaps a shift in perspective if there's a any hesitation or, or fear or, you know, disgruntled feelings uh, to just jump on, jump on board and jump in. I think so. And I think if they see like someone like myself, who, you know, just a total hick, <laughs> <laughs> if this guy can do it, then maybe it's not that, that uh, weird. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. If he, if he can do it, then we have hope. Yeah, exactly. But it, the thing, the thing is, is like, again, I'm not, super tech savvy but because of my experience in doing comedy and producing it 
I'm able to understand what the user experience should be and like, oh, can can we do this? And there's like all these brilliant tech minds that are like looking to work with us and we're kind of like a, a, a case study for them to try out right. this new tech. And they never would have done half of the stuff if it wasn't like me just bringing it up going, oh, are we able to do this? And they're like, oh yeah, we could do that. And then all of a sudden something new is created that's available to everyone to use. And and that's how it's evolving. But it's again, it's not because I'm like some tech savvy guy. It's just because, you know, I understand what's going to work for the fans and what they're going to want and what the comedians will, will want. We were able to create a uh, crypto tip jar in Decentraland so that the fans can tip any of the artists that are on screen and it gets oh, set up directly yeah. to the comedian's uh, you know, MetaMask wallet and it gets distributed. And if there's like multiple comedians on the show, it can go to multiple wallets. It's really cool. And, and, you know, we've developed this and it's, you know, we offer it out to other venues in the, in the metaverse. If they want it, they can contact us and we can get them set up with it so they can use it in their space. I think it's a good incentive for artists to be able to know that okay i can i can also bring in kind of like crypto it's like patreon you know or it's yeah like a, there, there is a little bit of um incentive there if it's especially if it's not a ticketed event there should be some sort of like tip mechanism totally and and what's neat too is as you said sort of using comedy as the case study in this case it's also paving the way for other lineups of other, you know, musicians and stuff like that to, to kind of mm-hmm. carve out, carve out a niche of, of support that otherwise wouldn't be there had you guys not been doing what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, you know, in Decentraland, it was a lot of, it was very music centric before we kind of came along and, and it's still, you know, music is a big thing in there that people love the EDM and it's a, it's a <laughs> lot of avatars dancing. And, uh, and we just, it was nice for us to be able to come in and offer a different form of entertainment, just something different that people could come check out. And we hope people keep coming and checking out the shows and we're going to keep, you know, trying to evolve what we're doing. And as Decentraland is able to, uh, grow with, you know, with where they're headed. I mean, the talk is that they're, you know, working on getting it to VR. We're excited about the possibility of where VR is going to take it. The other metaverses, some of them have VR, and it's pretty cool. I mean, I did I did a show in Horizon Worlds last week for the first time, and that was an exciting way to do comedy in the metaverse, a different, just a different way. And uh, not saying one's better than the other; there, it's just two different ways to consume and perform, also, and distribute your your content. But as this, the the metaverses, there's because there's so many. It's really like this arms race of tech and we're all going to start seeing them pull from each other and form into hopefully one thing that everyone can access easily. And and it's it's interesting to see like, you know, how the VR ones work versus, you know, the more, um, I guess, second lifestyle, um, you know, game computer based ones, things, things that are good here and maybe not so good and vice versa if they can work itself out, I think just naturally that that's going to happen. Right. Right. Well, if, if everybody's aligned too, in, in terms of creating the best experience possible mm-hmm. and, and innovating in this new space, then it would seem that that's 
sort of the natural trajectory, as you're saying, to to kind of have the best type of experience across music, comedy, etc. Exactly, and and I do a big part of this for me is is uh, you know like these decentralized platforms, like Decentraland really is, you know, a pretty wide open. It's not, it's not like, uh, I mean, it's not owned by Facebook and I just got, I just got a strike on Facebook today <laughs> because of a Jeffrey Dahmer joke. So <laughs> I want to be able to create a platform for comedians where they're not getting these type of strikes on their content where, you know, the funniest, edgiest, um podcasts like legion of skanks don't have to bleep out their first 10 minutes of their thing to get their ad revenue there just has to be a way to kind of protect a little bit of that i mean if you look at these the big platforms and some of the stuff that they've been doing for you know with censorship and it's getting out of control is is really it really has become so restrictive and i think that this is a great opportunity for comedians to a have input on the ground level and the infrastructure and how it's built and to have a mind for what the future is for our content and how comedians can control their own content, what they put out, but also have it protected uh, so that it's not being shut down. And I think that that's ultimately an important thing. And I mean, we've seen government overreach with crypto and, and tech. I mean, they, they always try and slow shit down that they don't understand. I mean, I didn't like what happened in Canada with uh, with Justin Trudeau and the, I don't know if you heard about this. There's the truck, the big truck convoy where they protested the uh, the like the the vax the mandates that were happening in Canada. And I don't really like. It's not even like the issue. It was what happened was people were sending sending crypto to support the cause, and the government intervened and and shut that down, saying that like you you know you if you support this, you're supporting terrorism type thing. And oh, it, wow. it wasn't, yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a reach. It was a bit of a reach because of, you know, they didn't know how to handle the type of protest that it was. And uh, I'm not, again, not without even like taking a side on the issue. I just am a big believer in uh, that, you know, they shouldn't be able to just like shut people's wallets down and people should be able to spend their money. Like, I, I don't know. It's a little scary when the government starts getting into, you know, getting into bank accounts and and crypto. Well, and, and are you saying that that's sort of that is what happened in this in this protest that that yeah. uh, government had uh, denied access to people's wallets? Yeah, they they pulled a. I, I'm I'm pretty sure. I mean, we can look this up after or whatever. But it's like uh, he the prime minister called into action like a like a, it was almost like calling the protest like a terrorist act so he had the 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 right to you know overstep and 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 intervene on any uh money that was coming into them and that included crypto so people couldn't support you know under the table gotcha gotcha so so then the to kind of pivot that back to metaverse to central land the idea being you'll be able to support artists that you want to support you'll be able to you know mm -hmm. support causes that you want to support free of any uh restrictions that might happen outside of the real world as we know it mm -hmm. yeah yeah i'm hoping that yeah obviously as as these things 
you know, continue to manifest and and all these, you know, really smart people are trying to evolve this type of stuff. I, I'm really hoping that uh that there is, you know a safe a safe way that people can can support each other without fear of being cancelled, basically. Right. You know, if you're uh, an artist and a comedian and you're putting out content and maybe it's maybe it's not good content or maybe you're an asshole and I think adults should be allowed to decide whether they think you're an asshole or not. And the, you know, we, we vote with our dollar and uh, I don't think that it's up to a government to tell you or a, or a platform to tell you that this person is a bad person. It should, it's the, on the individual like Alex Jones. Yeah. He, guy's a fucking meathead. Right. But like, yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah. should this guy, you know, not be allowed to accept, you know, credit card payments from his fans. Like, I don't know I, whether you agree with them or not. It's sort of a, it is a free speech issue. I mean, true. And, 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 and sure with, with, uh, Alex Jones in particular, there's, you know, uh, in recently in the news, there's, uh, you know, the, the making up stuff and then, you know, being found guilty of that. Like, obviously that's a, that's a little different. Uh, right. And that's a, another level of, you know, uh, it's like if you're choosing to support that well then that kind of reflects back to you the individual who's you know it's a whole other yeah. uh, but with i think art it's a different type of beast in the sense that art inherently you're you're trying to and comedy obviously is included in that it's like you're it's expression so if mm-hmm. you're if you're if you're aiming to entertain and you're aiming to uh at, at the end of the day help people because you could argue that laughter is medicine comedy is medicine art essentially if it's a reflection on society not to get too heady here but <laughs> if, 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 if you're going if, if you're going down that path then then art art is inherently good you know i think we're talking about some of the fringe elements here of just bigger picture uh mm-hmm individuals you know stuff like that that There's that might not people on the fringe that, that it is a slippery slope though when you start punishing them then it you know if you punish this person then it you know should it ends up being applied to the herd and it's almost sure. not it's you know it's it's not not always good when that happens so yeah something something that's uh that's that's just one thing that really bothered me in Canada, and I don't know if you have heard of this, uh, but, but this would have been about, I think, seven years ago. A comedian named Mike Ward, he did a joke about this. Uh, he's like a singer. He was a kid. I think he was like 14 or something. And he's a, in Quebec. He was this uh, this singer. And he had like a facial uh, disfigurement. is is a disease that he had. And Mike Ward made a joke about him. And then it kind of went viral or something. And then the kid's family sued him in a human rights tribunal. And it ended up going for years in court. Like he just, Mike Ward, like finally won this court case after years of fighting it. And it was cost thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, I don't even know how much it costs. Like it was like over 70 grand type thing. It was, Mike Ward fortunately had the money to, fight this battle because if it was me that got nailed with that i wouldn't have been able to fight that i would have been <laughs> i would have been fucked and so like i see these type of things happening and i'm like how do we protect you know comedians who are just doing comedy even if again jokes 
can be in bad taste for sure. And, and ultimately that's up to, you know, the comedian and the audience to interpret, but, and choose whether they support or not. But I don't think that, uh, you know, people should be punished for making a joke. All I think Patricia O'Neill said it the best is that, you know, all jokes are born from the same place an attempt to be funny and some of them live and some of them die. Sure. So, yeah, well, and, and you bring up an interesting point too, on just, uh, humor and uh, different brands. And it's like, I was talking to somebody the other day about, you know, just the Steve Martin model of being undeniable and how, mm-hmm. if something is funny in from in on that level, then it really doesn't matter if you agree with the humor or not because you can't deny that whatever is being said is is funny so you may not be your cup of tea but you still agree that all right hey yeah, this is funny it's not for me but it but it's funny you know and and so yeah yeah exactly and it's it's just sometimes sometimes punching down is funny because you're not supposed to punch down comedy's funny when you do something you're not supposed to do it's it kind of is always bucking against the trend no matter what that trend is and it's the element of surprise. If, you know, if, if everyone's being good and saying what you're supposed to say, when someone comes along and surprises you and says something you're not supposed to say, that's when it's funny. And it's just, I mean, that's what people want to see. When you go to a comedy club, you basically are going into a place where everyone is subscribing to, you're going to hear some wild shit and you're going <laughs> to a nightclub. This is a place where you're supposed to hear things that you can't hear on TV that you can't hear, you know, in mainstream stuff. And, and that's, what's exciting about it. There's an element of danger to comedy and, and going back to the tension, that's such a huge, huge factor and why things are funny. And, and, you know, you, you set it up and then you hit them with an element of surprise and that gets the biggest payoff from my experience anyway. Sure. And do you think that with, Decentraland and and metaverse uh, opportunities becoming more prevalent for for comedy for comedians that it's going to open up the you know just just have people speaking more freely in terms of jokes and and not worrying so much about as you mentioned cancel culture and stuff like that. I'm hoping so. I think um, having a platform that acts as a fail safe so that you can't get shut down will maybe create a little bit of less of um, a hesitancy from comedians to not worry about it. Like if you're going to get canceled here, you can always still be here and there's still going to be an audience. And that has to be, you know, as things get bigger and more, you know, users and, and more people start flocking to this, this tech, but the other thing that also exists is, I mean, and I, I don't really, this isn't really my style, but there are people that, you know, you could go and do comedy as an avatar and no one knows who you are and you could say some funny shit. Interesting. You could, you could be anonymous. And again, that's not, not my, that's not my bag. I'm fully docs, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Come and get me. Um, yeah. But the, um, yeah, you could go and like, let's say, I mean, there are people, there's a cop up here. Uh, where he lives probably about five hours north of me and he was doing comedy and they're like, Hey, you can't be doing this shit anymore if you want to keep your job. And he lost his job as a cop. But if he was doing it in the metaverse and going and performing as like an anonymous thing, he could do all this shit and be get away with it all. (laughs) Vigilante comedy. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. The, 
I think also, I mean, going back to the Horizon Worlds one where it's more Avatar based and and actually performing as an Avatar, um, you're seeing people who don't live in major cities get up and be able to perform. Like it's, I mean, when I did it, I'm like, okay, this is awesome because, yeah, I live two hours away. I can't go up on an open mic every night, but if there's open mics happening here, I would go up and do new material and work it out this way because it's just like being in a club. The The sound is good. So it's the, these avenues are opening up and as we explore it, it's going to only get better, which is so cool. Yeah. And, and what, what's, what's the main difference then in terms of performing as yourself and obviously being seen versus performing as your avatar, you're still being seen. You're mm-hmm. not, fully you per se, but how, how yeah. does that experience differ uh, between both? So there's the facial expressions. Obviously the avatar's facial expressions are only limited to, you know, it's, it is what it is. I think the new Oculus gives you a little bit more realistic facial expressions. Uh, that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, being improved upon. Uh, but like if you're doing stand up and it's you and you tell a joke and then you say your tagline, there's two laughs and then you just look at the crowd with a funny look, there's your third punchline. And you don't have that. You don't get that extra factor in the metaverse with that, you know, being able to just look, there's still also a lack of human connection. A human connection is very important, uh, in stand up. but if the jokes are good, you can connect to them still that way. It's just like, but it's like if you watch stand up on your TV and you're watching Netflix, I think you're less connected to watching uh, it that way than you would be, um, you know, in like a room with the avatars. Well, true, because one's happening, one is already pre recorded and mm-hmm. has happened, and now you're a participant in something that had already existed. Whereas even if you're watching an avatar you're still you're still a communal experience because you're part of that moment right then and there and if you're just watching something even pre-recorded on a screen but there's a bunch of other avatars around there's an interactivity to it or if the performers in the room is an avatar and communicating through like the chat and all that like there there's just an extra level of engagement that the metaverse allows and that we are excited to kind of develop and continue to create these new experiences. I just think that that's like the coolest part is, is people are going to be able to um, engage more with their fans and fans mm. vice versa with the comics. Awesome. And on that tip, moving forward, fan engagement, technology, what can we expect in the next six months to year from, uh, from you, Tyler, but also from the central comedy and, and, what what can people kind of be on the lookout for? Sure. So yeah, Decentral Comedy, we're doing, uh, we're going to be coming back in the new year with uh, our Mic Drop uh, Festival again, brand new um, like experience. There'll be a whole bunch of new shows. We just went down to Skankfest with a whole team, camera crew, and uh, we recorded a whole behind the scenes of Skankfest thing to, that we're going to be premiering in Decentraland uh, as part of Mic Drop. And uh, we're hoping that uh, we have a lot of the comedians come in as their own avatars 
We've been developing custom avatars with these comedians that are very realistic looking, and we can actually make the co- make the avatars look like the comics. They're not not like the uh, cartoony ones that you see in Decentraland right now. Like we're talking, they look exactly like them, and so it's going to be really <laughs> really awesome uh, for for people to be able to go in and engage with the avatars of their favorite comics. And so we're going to be onboarding some new programming, some new podcasts. We were able to, uh, to make a lot of, uh, good connections down there with, uh, some of the comedians and just introduce this to, to them. Cause when we were down there, a lot of people, you know, had never heard of this before. They didn't understand it, but they're very open to it. And, and it's really uh, going to be great. So I'd say watch for, for what we're going to be doing there. Um, and some new partnerships that they're going to be coming up uh, with Decentral Comedy and, and uh, just kind of, we're hoping to, we're hoping to continue to onboard and bring new fans into try out the experiences is really the, the key thing. Do you think one day fans will be able to log into Decentraland or whatever metaverse platform they're, you know, whatever sandbox they want to play in and they could walk into a comedy club in the metaverse in the same way that you could in the real world, you know, on a Tuesday night, you walk up to the improv, you could also log in and walk, you know, walk over to navigate to the central land comedy club and see, see who's performing. Is that, do you think? I think so. I, I think that that's where, where it's heading. I think that that's where, you know, the more, people that we can educate on this and kind of bring into um, bring their content into it and get them prepared for, for where the tech is going. Once there's, you know, multiple comedians that are subscribing to what this is, it's going to create more of a, an influx in that. And that's where those opportunities will come. But yeah, we're building out all of this. We, we, we want to be the one-stop shop for all things comedy in the metaverse. So anyone that's looking to, you know, bring their content and bring, you know, their own experiences for their fans, that's, you know, we're happy to, to help set them up and, and get them ready to go because that's where this is heading. And, you know, even in a bear market, that's when people are building the wildest stuff. So there's amazing new things around the corner that I haven't even thought of. Sure. Sure. And, and and on that tip, then that you 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 mentioned comedy specials. Do you think that's also something on the horizon where people are going to start? Uh, I know you mentioned uh, you yourself had 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 done one mm-hmm. before, but uh, where where all of a sudden now there's an just as the Netflix bubble on specials had occurred, perhaps there's a an upcoming you know metaverse launch of of specials uh, on the horizon as well. Absolutely. And we've already been doing it with uh, with some of the artists that we produce. But, you know, as uh, we start introducing this to some of the uh, the bigger name acts and they start realizing that this is an avenue for them, I think that they're going to going to jump on it, too. And uh, I think we'll start to see more and more people, because, again, if you're just putting out your special for free on YouTube, there's no reason why you shouldn't do a VIP experience in the Decentraland. Uh, with Decentral Comedy and we make it a ticketed event for your fans and we create an avatar for you and you can come in and engage with them and, you know, basically throw a a virtual party for your fans to come and watch a screening of your special. That's absolutely something that, you know, we're already doing and uh, we hope to be able to do for some of the, some of the big boys as they, you know, start to, 
you know, adopt this tech. Got you. So, so in many ways, it's like a, a, a premiere for your, you could throw a premiere for your special yes. in the metaverse. And while it might live exclusively, say in this example on YouTube, you're, yep. you're, you're pushing people in that direction with the digital party, you're saying virtual party, uh, through, through decentral comedy. That's correct. That's correct. And even with like with podcasts, they can do this. So if they have a Patreon and they have a top tier, well, guess what? Top tier Patreon, you're getting an NFT that gives you access to the podcast space. And every week, you know, we're going to be screening the podcast and you can get first first view in the metaverse. Like these are things that comedians have the opportunity to start implementing into their programming for their fans and I think it's something that they're going to be interested in as they, uh, you know, want to get ahead of everyone wants to get ahead of someone else. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Well, again, hopefully the uh, innovation will continue to propel more and different people to, to move the space forward and, and uh, all with the uh, decentralized mindset of helping create the best product possible. So. Uh, looking forward to seeing what uh, Decentral Comedy comes forward with uh, in, in, in the next couple months and, and, and years. And uh, yeah, really appreciate, uh, Tyler, you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's always great to chat about this stuff. I mean, most of the people I know don't know shit. So <laughs> <laughs> I live in a small town. They look at me like I'm insane. You know, it's like when you talk about the metaverse to people in a small town, they're looking at you like uh, like a cokehead trying to do a business deal <laughs> <laughs> like what's this guy talking about yeah oh yeah and then we're gonna get we're gonna get the crypto set up that you can tip them in. <laughs> i got i'm just gonna i'm just gonna stick to uh hbo and uh netflix and call it a day and you're like you but there's a, whole... a dragon <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so yeah. so am i going to be me i, I don't want to come into the special somebody else <laughs> yeah so but it, no it is cool man and, and and i think again going back to me being in a small town and just bridging the gap uh for from my distance that this has been uh you know an easier thing to pivot into because i'm open to those things and hopefully it creates opportunities for other people who you know live in smaller towns to 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 do the to do these you know exciting things that are not uh, necessarily uh, you don't have to be in a big city to be to do it you know what i mean you don't have to be totally to that totally and and i think to your point too you you, you just have to have some knowledge in this case of uh, whatever vertical you're in in this case comedy and in this case producing you know you're just taking your your skill set and your experience and success as a producer of comedy and 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 moving it toward a different medium but it's still the same you're still putting on a show you know yeah yeah exactly so it will be uh hopefully people can as you were saying you know use this as an example to to uh create content in in similar ways uh in whatever you know whether it's music or or any other genre um but hopefully, too, we can see more shows like this, uh, mm-hmm. like you know, or or more types of shows uh, using the example that you guys have pioneered in in many ways. Yeah, and anyone that's looking to try this out, um, especially when we get mic drop, when mic drops coming back. But anytime you want to 
to uh, even jump in and test out Decentraland. If you go on decentralcomedy.io, we have the steps clearly laid out on how you can onboard into the metaverse and, and jump in and you can jump right into Decentraland and try it out. It, it shows you how to set up a wallet. It shows you how to uh, to get in there. And, uh, you know, that's a, a big part is just, you know, teaching people how to get started, I think, is the is the the one barrier of access and we want to make sure that it's as simple as possible but if you go to our site we have it have it all set up for people to try out love it tyler morrison comedian and founder of decentral comedy thank you so much hey thanks for having me thanks for listening to another episode of lights camera crypto a podcast produced by matt bogart and decentral media music by brian duncan and kareem imes if you enjoyed this experience, be sure to rate and subscribe to our show and to follow at Sladen and at Decentral Media for additional content.